Welcome to the neighborhood. Hey, Bob Saget. We are in the end game now. No, we are not. We're 15 episodes into a 96 episode run of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. Welcome back, everybody. My name is J.R. Hitty. I am your host. I'm based out of San Francisco, California, and every Monday morning we are breaking down a new episode of the acclaimed HBO dramedy Entourage. I know that in any given week there is an exceptional amount of audio content to consume, but this week especially, after the Battle for Winterfell and Avengers Endgame premiering this weekend, the fact that you've chosen to listen to a podcast about a show that went off the air eight years ago means a lot to both me and our team here. So thank you for listening. So much good stuff coming up. We have a great guest on this week. White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports is on. If you're not familiar with Barstool's work, you've been living under an internet rock for the past eight years. Dave was gracious enough to give us 30 minutes of his time to talk about Neighbors, one of the most iconic Entourage episodes, with the boys moving next door to comedian Bob Saget. Full disclosure, Dave and I grew up in the same western suburb of Chicago. We're the same age. We ran in the same circles. So it was nice to talk to someone with a similar background as me about the show and about his experience with the show. If you guys haven't yet, go follow the Oh Yeah Pod Twitter account. Just last week, we posted uh, a thread about our favorite Entourage characters as NBA logos, and Jerry Ferrara picked it up and shared it on his network, and we wrote an article about it on Bro Bible. It's pinned at the top of the Twitter feed, so go check that out, at OyaPod on Twitter. And as usual, five-star reviews, super important. Please leave us a five-star review if you're enjoying the podcast. Little bit of a shorter episode this week. I hope you don't mind. I was at Coachella last weekend, and yes, I did get to see Tanya West perform Sunday service on Easter Sunday, so I am still recovering from that. Hit me with any questions, comments, concerns, at JR will do it on Instagram and Twitter, and enjoy Neighbors featuring White Sox Dave. I am super excited to welcome on our guest today. He is a Chicago Marathon finisher, the co-host of Redline Radio, and a Barstool Sports Chicago writer and personality, Dave Williams, a.k.a. White Sox Dave. Welcome to the Entourage Podcast, buddy. I appreciate you having me on, man. Before we get started, and I've actually dropped the ball on this last couple episodes, so apologies for the last couple of guests, but I like to ask what type of impact Entourage had on their life? What, your, what was your experience with the show growing up? Now, for some background for everybody, Dave and I are from the same west suburb of Chicago. He went to college a block away from where I went to high school, and we ha- we know a lot of the same people, so it could be very similar to mine. But Dave, in your own words, what was Entourage like for you? It was so I started watching it when it was pretty early in the show, probably second ish season is when I started watching it like week to week uh, with high school friends, and then once I and that was my senior year, I want to say of high school, and then once I got to college, a lot of my friends were from like rural Illinois and like small town uh, lifestyle, so I kind of introduced the show to them, and then they all fell in love with it, so. I don't know. We were the like characters for Halloween one year, and you know, it, who are you? I was Turtle every year. Nice. So I, it was just you know, it's it's a show that I like to like. It's I want to wish that I could live vicariously through them, but they live like this awesome lifestyle out in Los Angeles, you know. So not exactly the same thing, but it is. It's it's something I wish I could be, I guess, but I'm not. I don't know if that makes sense or not. 
it makes perfect sense. I think I think that's why it connected with every right, you know, yeah. mid twenties dude in the middle of America because they had no idea what it was like on the West Coast. I was in college in Chicago and watching it going, Is this what LA is really like? And now that I live in California, my wife's from LA, it is not like this. Right. At yeah. All whatsoever. But that's cool. And we'll get later on we'll I'll ask, you know, who who in the entourage you identify the most with, but uh we'll get to that question. So Today we are breaking down episode 5 of season 2 called Neighbors. It aired on Sunday, July 3rd, 2005. Now this is interesting because this is obviously a holiday weekend back in 2005, 14 years ago. You know, I, I'm curious what the numbers were for this episode. The, the HBO doesn't have that publicly available, but that same week, a certain baseball team from the south side of Chicago was swept by the Oakland Athletics in a three-game series at home. Going into the All-Star break a week later at 57-29. and 29. Following the All-Star break, they would sweep the Cleveland Indians in a four-game series and eventually finish the season strong, beginning September by winning their first seven games and ending the season by winning 8 of 10 for a record of 99-63. and 63. A couple months later, they'd win their second American League Central title and in October sweep the Houston Astros four games to nothing in their third World Series victory. Tying run at second, two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws, out! And the White Sox have won the World Series! Juan Uribe with a play, charging it, throwing it, and the White Sox celebrate their first title in 88 years. That was a good year for me. I can imagine. Who was the White Sox best hitter that season? Uh, bet Jermaine Dye. Jermaine Dye, probably Canerco. I want a, a toss-up between those two. It was Canerco. He had 40 home runs, 100 RBIs, batted 283 on the season. Yeah, okay. I wanted to give it a little bit of a local flavor for you for the uh, way back when. Yeah, no, I love it. So just just picture yourself in that time period in your life. You're you're three months away, four months away from the uh, first White Sox uh, victory you'll see in, in person or uh, in your life. In this episode... Vince finally gets his first Variety cover with the news that he has landed the role of Aquaman. Unfortunately, the deal hasn't already been inked. No matter how many phone calls Ari and Eric make, they're not able to get a meeting between Vince and James Cameron, who is helming the aquatic epic. Complicating matters is E's ex-girlfriend and Ari's ex-assistant Emily, who is now working for James Cameron. Eventually, Cameron agrees to screen Queens Boulevard to see if Vince will be right for the role. But Billy Walsh, the director, refuses to show the film to anybody before its premiere at Sundance. Meanwhile, Turtle manages to break out of a lengthy slump with the help of a few professionals who moved in just down the street. Dave... What was your favorite moment from this episode overall? Like a specific moment, probably when Bob Saget cock blocked Johnny Drama at the <laughs> pool, at the pool side. Yeah. yeah. Of course, Drama like was on an app of Full House back in the 90s. He played Stamos's tough guy nephew or whatever. And I loved uh, Sadith's response to that, which is like, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> I was too fucked up on drugs. Yeah, right, I, right. You know, Bob, I don't know if you remember this, but I did an app of Full House in 94. I played Stamos' tough guy nephew. Really? Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember that. Don't take it personally, Johnny. I was so whacked out on Vikes and Halcyon during the 90s, I don't remember shit. I'm clean now, though, right? <laughs> I remember that part. You were great. Really? Hey, uh, Misty? Why don't you show me your room, baby? Come on. I got some stuff I want you to see. Got some Cavassier. 
you just get cock blocked by Bob Saget? I actually had like the scene right before that is my favorite moment, which is like the shoe drop where Saget reveals to Vince that they're in a brothel, essentially. Uh-huh. You are a stallion, man. It's not every day somebody scores the madam. Madam? Oh, no. Come on. I can't believe you didn't know that. You gotta be kidding me. You're not kidding me? I got a house account here. Great moment. Just pure fantasy television. There's This house doesn't exist. It doesn't exist looking like this, and it certainly doesn't exist in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, that kind of goes back to like like us in high school and college wanting to live vicarious like is this really la like these are the hottest girls ever and they're just chilling next door and they're actually hookers like when can we move out to los angeles and be famous and everything like i it n- never happened obviously but like that's one of the reasons like we connected with the show another reason we connected with the show i think is because it had all these great moments that i call bros being bros moments really natural interplay between the four members of the entourage so every week we like to talk about our favorite bros being bros moments dave i'll let you start what was your favorite just kind of like exchange that the guys had or just moment of them really being bros i mean when they're what my favorite line and i guess it's kind of a bro line if you want to call it that is when they're just walking down the street and turtles like i live three doors down from the cast of america's next top model and i ain't getting laid it's the worst cold streak ever turtle a cold streak implies that you were once hot (laughs) go easy on me come on even a rod goes on a bad run sometimes yeah, but even when A-Rod's slumping, he's still getting pussy. Just like guys yep. talking, yep. you know, having normal conversations, so. No, I, that was one of mine as well. My other favorite uh, bros being bros moment was when Lorraine, the sure thing, walks into the restaurant and Vince and Eric kind of like, well, Turtle says it, he's like, guys, quit mothering me. Like, Turtle, sit up straight. Take your hat off, Turtle. Guys, don't mother me, okay? This guy I was telling you about right there in Green the Turtle. Give her a wave. No, no, don't wave. Get the nod. It's like the young dude in your crew that you're constantly just like jumping all over, telling them how to perform. I, mean, I have three little brothers, and my youngest brother has to endure this all day. Yeah, it's like, and she walks up. She's like kind of off in the distance at the entrance of the patio, and she just looks at Turtle in complete disgust and walks away. It's, it's just hilarious. <laughs> Drama describes this poor girl. He's like, Lorraine, my sure thing. She can't spell no. What a fucking description of a human being. <laughs> right, yeah. What would you say was your least favorite moment from this episode? I, Billy Walsh in, annoys me. He annoyed me like the whole series. Just constantly being a weirdo and causing friction and everything. Yeah, like anytime there's a Billy Walsh, you know, I'm like, all right, let's get to the hot chicks and everything. Yeah. He's a little arty. He kind of is an antagonist early on in season one. And then later after Medellin drops, he becomes like a full blown lunatic. So yeah, I hear you. He doesn't do much in this episode besides not let (laughs) James Cameron see the movie, which is kind of like the pivotal cliffhanger at the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about cliffhangers in general. It's becoming a theme on the show. Uh, Mine would be uh, E going to James Cameron's office to see Emily, his ex, and any interplay between these two, any relationship drama at this point is just like old news. So there's that quote where like, you want to grab a cup of coffee or something? Well, I, I guess you probably can't leave here, right? James, not like, all right, I can do what I want. James, 
called James. Yeah, he. All right, have you ever seen Dazed and Confused? What's the kid's name with the long hair? The like main actor who's always plucking at his hair. He does that whenever he's talking to a girl. He like scratches his face and like messes with his hair because he's such a nervous wreck and it's just awkward and everything. So yeah, I totally agree with you there. He just does stuff with his hands that makes it look awkward. It's like learn how to talk to a girl, man. Yeah, no, totally. His scenes always make you feel secondhand awkwardness for him. Right. Yeah. I don't know if Kevin Connolly is that shy in person or or he's just like putting laying it on thick but it does become uncomfortable to watch after a while right yeah it it might be kevin Connolly laying it on really thick but who knows the other scene i really didn't like was after vince finds out about stacy the madam of the house when they're like sitting poolside and vince is like do i owe you money are you mad no i'm just a little shocked why i don't know i mean do i like owe you money now don't be an asshole vince i'm not a hooker good because i've never paid for sex and i'm not looking to start although you'd be worth every penny i should pay you he starts like kissing her neck and stuff they keep trying to jam these like moments of emotional brevity into the show and it's i'm with you it's kind of like let's move on and, and get to like drama and turtle with the hookers you know right exactly yeah this show is so full of quotes and this is a particularly quotable episode one of my one of the most famous lines that comes out of this episode in particular is, hey, you ever coming back? You kidding? I am Queens Boulevard. Iconic. That's like a top 10 line from the show. See, okay, for the show, like as like Adrian Grenier, as yeah. a whole, I think he's the worst actor on the show. <laughs> and watching Vincent Chase act is like a double, like poor acting job. Like when he does that, I think it's so corny. Okay. And just so fake looking. Obviously, it's a important plot line in the show, but like it's like that's like Billy Billy Walsh goes like boom, and that's why you're a movie star or whatever he says. And I'm like that. That's like bad acting right there. That's interesting. I've never thought that scene in particular is bad acting. I think Vince acting is always bad acting, sure. no matter okay. what so- episode it is. So it's like PTSD for you. Like you see him say that line and you're just like, oh, this just reminds me of all the bad acting he's doing. Yeah, kind of, I guess. Okay. I always liked it because it's like a great tad line for anything, you know, and it, just, it spawned all sorts of shit on the internet. People going to Queens Boulevard and in New York and taking photos and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I admit it's kind of corny. But yeah, I liked it. I've always I've always liked that line. What about you? What, what, other, what other lines from this episode did you like? Lines in part, I mean... Uh, Bob Saget had a bunch of great one-liners. Is like <laughs> when he's talking about how he just got divorced, and his wife took one of the houses in the Palisades. Yep. So I just got divorced. Ex-wife got the house in the Palisades. No biggie. I got four other houses. I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, I gotta go. My daughters love you, Vince. But do me a favor. D- don't fuck them. Don't you fuck my daughters. <laughs> yeah, don't you fuck them. I particularly like. Who do you think's more recognizable, you or me? Seriously. Because like, right. it's such like a bid dick move by Sadit. Like, it's so kind of, uh, you can tell how hard he's playing, like, off of his normal character. Like, he's trying to double down so hard, like how he did in a Half-Bait. Right, right. Uh, Marijuana is not a drug. I used to suck dick for coke. I seen him. Now that's an addiction, man. You ever suck some dick for marijuana? Huh? I love it. Everything out of his mouth is gold this episode. Everything is, yeah. He's like the best cameo in the show. Oh, he's probably the best cameo this season. And we had Hugh Hefner cameo two episodes ago. We had Ralph Macchio. 
Gary Busey, like the, it, it's sad it by a mile. Oh yeah, it's it's the best. That's like towards the late the latter seasons of the show, I thought they got a little too cameo heavy. Yeah. Like Matt Damon, I love Matt Damon. I actually got the Born Ultimatum on as we speak, and <laughs> his cameo in the show was just so stupid. Yeah, and he was pumping his charity the whole time. Yeah, that's all he was doing. It's like, all right, this storyline sucks. Just get him off the screen. And like Erlacher was bad. There was a few other actors who were really bad. It's like, all right, we get it. Like you get actual people to act as themselves in the show. Like, but you got toned down a little bit. I think the episode you're referring to specifically is in season seven when Turtle starts Avion, the tequila company. And he's literally looking for financiers. So in one like 10 minute sequence, he calls on the phone, Ryan Howard, Drew Brees. He talks to Chris Bosch and Erlacher. Right. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. And it's just, and you're right. It was just them kind of flexing on, on the audience being like, these are all the people that we can get now. And it just became cluttered and a mess. Right. Exactly. But this was, this Saget one was so almost, you know, realistic. I love how Vince didn't know who he was. Perfect. He's definitely the best celebrity cameo from from the episode, without a doubt. It, right. Back to uh, lines. I think my other favorite line is Ari's little rant to uh, Dana Gordon's assistant. I want you to pass this message along to Dana. Tell her that I still have the pictures from Cancun. Tell her that I'm going to start a website. I'm going to take a full-page ad out in the L.A. Times advertising it. Tell her it will be called I'm a HollywoodExecutiveWhore.com and that no password or fee will be required. Tell her I want a fucking callback. It's another classic Ari Gold rant. This is on the heels of last week's episode, um, An Offer Refuse, where he fires the mailroom kid uh, thinking that he's Peter Cole. Ari's just like chock full of these like amazing rants and one-liners this season. And, and Jeremy Piven won an Emmy for it, so it goes the show. Yeah, uh, I mean, like as a whole, the show's just the quotes. It's like the most quotable show ever, you know. Did you have any other lines from this episode? From this episode, I'm trying to think of, like, they're all Bob Saget quotes. Um, <laughs> like, when he's talking, he's like, Seriously, Stacy, she is a fucking thoroughbred. I've been trying to close her for years. I offered her a hundred grand once for one night at the Four Seasons Maui. You know what she did? She smacked me in the face. <laughs> Just so. Anybody an Xbox guy? All right. I'm right next door. (laughs) (laughs) Reeking of desperation, he brings over like muffins and a full house boxed DVD set. Fucking hilarious. Just shoves it in E's chest. (laughs) This show has an iconic soundtrack. We have a Spotify playlist, the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah music playlist. The subscribe link is in the show bio on your podcast app, so go subscribe now. Uh, what song jumped out at you from this episode, Dave? The only one, cause all right, that's like the show. The show as a whole, in general, is scored really well, yep. and they pair music with scenes that like evoke the best emotional response that's appropriate for that scene. Um, I mean, Big Pimpin was the only one that stood out. Yep. Of the show, was there? I don't. I don't even remember if there was any other s- songs. Were there? Honestly, there weren't, and I keep a pretty strict tally on this like there are a few background songs like there's a song by ti and pharrell called freak through when they're like all like getting down with the the hookers but it's big pimpin it's big pimpin as the best song of the episode it's so on the nose and they're walking to a pool party at like a brothel with the hottest models in los angeles like right exactly it's a big pimpin moment for sure uh we already talked about celebrity cameos we're moving quick this is this is good um 
What about worst celebrity cameo? There was one bad one, if you remember. Who was it? Anthony Anderson. Oh, the uh, the what what else is he in? So he like at the time he had only been in Barbershop and Tangaroo Jack, but he's like a year out. He was in The Departed, and now he's the star of Blackish on ABC. Right, I've never seen Blackish. I he was yeah he was shot or whatever in in The Departed. So yeah, I I've recognized him. Obviously, he's probably in a lot of smaller roles like that. But yeah, that was it. And that's why I thought it was a bad celebrity cameo, because you have Bob Saget, who's so fucking recognizable, and such like a gut punch of laughter. And then you have Anthony Anderson, who's like, been in a kid's movie, and been in like, Barbershop, which was a popular movie. But he's, he's a dick. What's going on, man? Nothing like what you got going on, Aquaman. Listen, Vince, if they're looking for a little color for that film, I'd be a great fish. Prepare him to pay my quote, though. I'll do what I can. Hey, do more than that. Remember who got your brother that part in barbershop? They cut me off. You got paid, drama. So shut the fuck up, you ungrateful bitch. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. I'm sure that's how celebrities act to each other. I'm sure they have a little bit of attitude, but I didn't like it, and it also started to feel like one of those cameos that was just jammed in there. Like, they're just walking through a restaurant, and they get, like, confronted by another cameo. The Bob Saget one was just a lot more uh, all natural in my right, opinion. exactly. Yeah, he was just he was being probably what Bob Saget's doing as we speak. <laughs> Every week we'd have a Faces in the Crowd Award, Dave, and this wasn't anything that you needed to pre- prepare anything for. But I like to try to identify people in the background, maybe that have bit parts that are, that are actually a lot bitter actors or actresses than we might know. So a couple jumped out to me in this episode. There, this was probably the most crowded episode for faces in the crowd this uh this season two the first one is jen who's dana's assistant where is she amanda this is jen amanda was fired all right jen where is she i'm sorry mr gold i haven't seen miss gordon all day oh okay you new in town i've been here a month okay you probably don't know me you will she's played by actress jama mays and she was actually like a breakout role in glee in 2009 she was emma pillsbury who's like this teacher on glee did you watch glee dave I can't say I did. <laughs> I did not watch Glee. It's all good. And then, of course, I mean, Ethan Supley is the other actor in the Queens Boulevard clip. He's the one who asks. Hey, you ever coming back? You kidding? I am Queens Boulevard. He's been right. in fucking everything. Yeah, he's been in a million things. Uh, I didn't know if that was actually the guy who I thought it was, and I never knew his name. It never bothered to look it up, but... Now that you say it, that guy's been in literally everything. His career started, he was in Remember the Titans, he was Velasquez. Mm-hmm. He was in Mallrats, he was in American History X when he was a Nazi, and most famously, he was in My Name is Earl for like six years. Yeah, he's been he's been in a ton of stuff, and he was just, you know, one line randomly in an Honorage episode. We talk every week about things that haven't aged well, and we always specifically focus on fashion because, and this was 14 years ago, we, we dressed differently back then, and movie stars and their entourage definitely did. Was there any outfit that anyone was wearing that jumped out as being particularly cringeworthy? Uh, turtle. <laughs> yeah. The, absolutely. like, green on green. Yeah. Uh, Yankees hat and, like, tracksuit. Turtle's, like, always monochromatic in season two. He doesn't, like, actually did any style until he starts dating uh, Jamie Lynn Seedler in, like, two seasons. Right, yeah, he's he's just, I don't know. I mean, he, he is who he is. I don't really judge guys on their fashion, but uh, he, it's just a little much, I think. Yeah. I would say my nomination for worst outfit goes to E 
he has the entire episode. He's wearing this black lawn sleeve t-shirt underneath like a light blue t-shirt with boot cut jeans. It just looks like something out of a DAP catalog circa 05, which is what this is. It just does. It doesn't give off the image of like a confident manager who manages a movie star. It gives off the image of like your buddy from back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's, he's a little pipsqueak. He's, uh, <laughs> he thinks he's tough. He's a little short idiot who doesn't know how to really dress well. We talked about this. He does get like better clothes once he becomes like an official, you know, manager full time. But yeah, the early couple seasons outfits on E, whatever wardrobe picked out for him was always a little, little uncomfortable to look at. Um, so yeah. So that was what was outdated in terms of the clothing. Were there any references that were made that seemed pretty outdated to you? I don't think so. I mean, when we started the show tonight, you said it aired in 2005 and I was like, wow, that makes me feel really old. So even the references, like you gotta, you gotta understand that it was 15 years ago almost. And the references that they're making in the show were probably older than that. So um, none that stick out, but I mean, I'm sure there are plenty. Yeah, I think the the biggest one to me is last week they ended the episode on the cliffhanger that Leonardo DiCaprio was talking to James Cameron about Aquaman. And so in this episode, Vinny and E go and meet with Ari, and Ari says, Here's the good news. I spoke to Leo's agent. He's a friend. He's out. Leo is booked until 09. And beside that, since Titanic, he won't go anywhere near the water. And that's what's funny to me. I think that's the best. Is like They're only 10 years out from Titanic, which we are now 25 fucking years out from. So that's probably... Right, crazy. That's probably the biggest like outdated reference to me. Yeah, that I, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, Leo, that was when Leo was like on top of the world. On top of the world, doing you know all the biggest, best roles. Not that he's not still, but... He was like the actor in Hollywood back then, and him and Vince are fighting for the same movie, apparently. Yeah. I mean, you talked about The Departed earlier. The Departed's probably my favorite movie, and The the Departed came out a year later, so he's busy shooting The Departed right now. <laughs> right, that. yeah. He was shooting The Departed with What's-His-Face in the bar. <laughs> I wanted to point out, we've, we've been noticing a lot of continuity errors in the show. Um, recently I've had guests bring up how things don't match up what is going on later in the show. Just one little thing I'm sure you didn't notice because you haven't been watching the show week over week like I have, but Ari confronts Dana Gordon at their kids' school. Amazing, you're still showing up at school like this. Won't let the nanny do it? Whatever they're paying you, it's not enough. All right, what are you doing here, Ari? This is really not a good time. Okay, fine. When is a good time? Tonight at your house? We'll invite your husband, have a little slideshow. All right. Out of your mind. Because I have never been jerked around like this before, Dana. And according to this episode, Dana Gordon has children and a husband. When later in the show, she doesn't have a husband and doesn't have children. So that's when her and Ari start getting together in season seven and uh, fucking while they're uh, him and Mrs. Ari are taking a break. So I just wanted to point that out for all the listeners who have been pointing out continuity errors. We're definitely noticing them and they're definitely uh, interesting. Yeah, that's a, actually a really good call right there. I would have never noticed it had you not brought it up. Dave, how would this episode be different if it aired today? Uh, probably wouldn't be allowed to be aired today because of like the Me Too movement and everything. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Hookers. I know hookers could be seen, or let me rephrase this, high-end escorts might be seen as like 
women empowerment, yeah. women in control of their bodies. Maybe. That's true. I personally think it would be a house of Instagram models as opposed to hookers. Right. Yeah. There you go. Because what's the difference? I mean, they're <laughs> not much. Sadit asks Stacy, uh, Is that cute little Philly Michelle in town? No, she has a model booking in Dubai. She'll be back on Saturday. And I think we know what a model booking in Dubai means for Instagram models and models. Yeah, they're going, uh, they're hooking. Yeah, they're going to get shit on by a sheik, most likely. <laughs> hey, whatever pays the bills. Okay, Johnny Drama, legendary character. What would you say was your favorite drama moment from this episode? And there are a lot of them. Yeah, just, uh, he, I mean, he obviously wasn't really the focal point of the episode, but when uh at towards the end when he like he already knew that the girls were hookers and he goes up whispers and vince's ear obviously turtle did too thanks bro look i know these guys are pros but don't tell turtle break his heart yo vince way to hook it up yeah i know those girls are hookers but don't tell john his streak's like five times as long as mine or she or not he walks up to turtle and is like this is my sure thing she doesn't know how to spell no or whatever he said Right before that, that hot girl like walks into the kitchen and drama turns the turtle and he goes, Look, I'm going to let you have this one. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just focus. Keep your eye on the ball, right? All right. Look alive out there. <laughs> I feel like he's coaching a little lead player. Right, yeah. <laughs> They're mothering him. There's a, there's a quote earlier on when, uh, before E tells them to shut down the spending where he says, No, we need a new set of kitchen knives, dick face. These blades are for shit. You know Vince likes his tomato sliced paper thin. Hilarious, obviously. And then when they go into the looping station or whatever, looping studio, and he's ready to loop, and Billy Wall says, Ah, Johnny, your sound is clean. This is Vince's day, okay? See, I project a lot better than you, bro. Sorry. I just uh, he, He's a quote machine. He's gotten nominated for this role three different times and didn't didn't win anything, unfortunately, but still hilarious. Yeah, he's he's the best. He's probably my favorite character in the whole show, to be honest. I don't blame you. Um, Vince can't win this episode as he wins every episode, but who besides Vince won this episode of Entourage, Dave? Uh, out of the like core four guys and Ari? Out of anyone. I mean, Bob Saget. <laughs> when he took the girl from, from uh, drama, obviously he won there. Um, yeah. He was the funniest character of the show or of the episode, and yeah, he like he stole the show. Totally, one hundred percent. I would I would give it to Sadid as well. Special run up consideration goes for drama. He has the best one liners. He gets laid, and he doesn't need to do any looping at the looping station. Like Turtle's the loser for most of the episode. E's always kind of somewhere in the middle there. But uh, yeah, I'm giving it to Sadit and Drama. Sadit one A, Drama one B. That's a good call right there. Would you say this uh, episode was an A-list episode, a B-list episode, or a D-list episode? Without Saget, I'd say it would, it would probably be just middle of the road, but Saget yeah. brought it over the top. I'd say it's one of the better episodes, not the best, but it's yeah. definitely up there. I agree, but I'm still going to give it a B-list. It, it, you're right, it's almost A because of Bob Saget. It's a strong contender for A, but I'm doing this based off of just episode staying power. So when you say episode names of Entourage, like Aquamansion and My Maserati does 185, people know what you're talking about. Not as much for Neighbors. Like, Dave, be honest with me. When I asked you to do this episode, did you remember this episode? Yeah, I did. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> Prove me <Yeah>. wrong. <laughs> 
but I I don't think this episode is as recognizable in in name only as other ones. But if you tell people it's the one where Bob Saget is next door, right? People are like, oh yeah, that one's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's like it's like people talk about the Vegas episode, even though that's not the actual title of it. And then yep. people like people just say this is the Saget episode instead of saying neighbors. One hundred percent. So yeah, I would give it I would give it B. You give it A. We're not keeping score here, and it doesn't mean anything. Is this is all imaginary? So. <laughs> Last question, and this is a big one. I'm going to actually ask it in two parts. The first, Dave, is in your life's entourage, who would you say you are? We're all just kind of like pack animals. Obviously, that's what (laughs) a entourage kind of is. But, I mean, no one's really like a Vince or like, you know, we're all just kind of who we are. So I've been thinking about this question and – I don't know. I would love to be turtle, just mooch off my rich friend and like sleep in the guest house and, you know, tell people I know him. So like my famous friend, my hypothetical famous friend, which I don't have. So, uh, but I don't do that. So I don't really even know, to be honest. Okay. Well then let me take it a step further of the barstool Chicago guys of the red line radio crew. There's four of you. There's four people in the entourage. Who would you say is closest to who? Okay. Carl would be E. <laughs> and why would that be? Because he's like super type A and like always takes initiative to like get everything done. And he's always hustling around. Um, I'd say Ryan would be chief would be probably Vince because he's like the most laid back on the. And then I think I'd probably be drama. I I, I think they would agree with that because they would say I'm the most quotable, I bet. And then okay. Eddie Turtle. Um, not saying that <laughs> he like really compares to him, but I guess he just would be by default. Okay, and we've talked about this before, but Turtle is sneaky underrated this whole season. He just sits back and like delivers like amazing lines and amazing content like for the show. So I wouldn't deem that like a, a punishment for Eddie. Turtle's one of the most memorable guys in, in TV, so... Uh, I like that. That's good. Uh, I've I've often said that I'm E in my group, and uh, Zach, my good friend who you know, was always uh, Vince, so I was always the E to his Vince. That's a reference for the three people who know me personally that <laughs> listen to this podcast. There you go. Well, Dave, thanks for coming on and talking about Neighbors. This was a blast. Um, I hope you had fun. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Of course. What, uh, what can the listeners expect from you, the Redline Radio guys, Barstool Chicago, in, in the upcoming weeks? Um, we, in the, well, for the rest of summer, um, and into fall, we're actually, now that the NFL schedules are released, we're going to be looking at going to London for the Bears game when they're playing out there. Nice. Um, I got, uh, like five or six videos coming out in the coming weeks. Yeah. Just uh, a lot. We're, I mean, we, we didn't want to like blow our load way early. So we wanted to like get our feet wet, see how things, you know, assimilate, see how we assimilate with everything else. And then uh, once we know what we're doing, just kind of go balls to the wall. So that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of the summer. A lot of video stuff. That's great. Make sure you guys follow along on BarstoolSports.com. Make sure you listen to Redline Radio. If you're a Chicago local especially, they give unparalleled perspective and opinions on Chicago sports. Dave, where can the listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah follow you? Uh, At BarstoolWSD, at Barstool Chicago, and at Redline Radio and Barstool Sports. We'd love to have the rest of the uh, Redline Radio guys on at some point, so hopefully we can make that happen, and we'll definitely try to have you back soon. 
Thanks for joining. Okay. Just let me know, man. All right.